Ladies and gentlemen, pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive in the classic matches along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the payoff. Oh yeah, it's the payoff. It's Tom, it's Jeff, and we're gonna cover the Macho Man and the Heartbreak Kid. Jeff, how are you doing today, my friend? Your impersonation is getting better and better every week, my friend. That was uh, that was quite good. Good job. All right, so. This is something that was unexpected. Let me let me lead off and, and tell the story. So as some of you may have saw on Twitter uh, recently, there was a clip that was floating around. I say this like it was widespread. I may have been the only person to see it, but I saw a clip pop up in my feed. And the clip was about two and a half minutes of Randy Savage, against Shawn Michaels in 1992. Now, I, I, I think I knew they had worked together, so it wasn't like, oh, I can't believe they had a match. That wasn't the thing that, that shocked me. What shocked me was the highlights of this thing were like out of this world incredible. So I immediately sent it to Jeff and he's like, holy shit. And I said, you know, so then I started looking, I'm like, oh, I found the whole match on, uh, I believe it was Daily Motion. And I was like, dude, we have to cover this. Consequently, as we did our research, I found out this was actually on the network. So the match we're going to cover today is on the network, but we have not seen the entire match. We just both saw some clips, and I think we both had the same reaction, which was, holy shit, this looks like an awesome match. Um, so I guess that covers a few things, why we're covering it and why we wanted to cover it. So again, from my perspective, it was like we found this hidden gem, and I do want to start doing this sometimes. Like I don't want to waste time on shitty matches that – oh, I didn't realize that happened and it's like a four-minute TV match. But in a case like this where you never really saw these guys work, um, from all indications, this is going to be an absolutely fantastic match and there's a lot to talk about around it. So I think this is going to make a great episode and be a little bit different than us covering uh, the WrestleMania match that everyone's seen before and everyone knows the backstory of. So I'm excited about this, as you can tell, Jeff. What about you? Yeah, it's just different. And I think you kind of hit the nail right on the head pretty good of just like, it was one of those where, again, you, you always think like, oh, you know, of course, like at some point HBK and Randy Savage had to have some kind of, I say program together or some matches together that were kind of a little bit bigger. But this was one that I think that we just didn't really, I don't know, the slip through the cracks isn't even the right way to say it, but it's just one of those where like we saw it and we were both kind of, kind of excited about it because it's like oh shit like and not just you know you being hbk supermarket well it really is one of those that even we had to dig a little bit to find it on the network and so well, and think about this 1992 i mean this this never saw the light of day in the united states maybe there was a vhs release but it's not like it was on a network it's not like it was SummerSlam 92 from Wembley Stadium and you could order it in the U.S., right? So it, it, it's, you know, if it didn't occur on TV or on pay-per-view in the United States, it's like it didn't even exist. And, you know, you think about like now with like the Saudi Arabia stuff, 
if, if it were 1992, it would have never existed, right? They would have done these big ass house shows, if you will, maybe broadcast it on TV there. Now it's like they're doing that. Oh, but then they're putting it on the network. So it's like, it kind of does exist and it kind of does need to fit and make sense before or after WrestleMania. So it, it's a lot different than this, which was, you know, again, a UK only pay-per-view and it's not even like, you know, 98 when they were doing UK only pay-per-views and you knew what happened and they'd have to acknowledge it on TV, right? You knew, oh, Sean beat Davey Boy for the Euro- European Championship. Okay, so we know that actually happened even if we didn't see the match and maybe there were clips on the internet. But again, in 92, it's like these European tours and what happened overseas, I mean, it just, it didn't exist, right? I mean, I, I bet most of this, if not all of it, was not even acknowledged on TV, the other interesting thing, so the the story that's made its rounds is, you know, when Macho Man was put out the pasture and Vince was like, look, we're going younger, uh, you know, Hogan was gone, Savage, you know, you're going to be an announcer. They were trying to do this youth movement. The, 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 the story was, hey, around WrestleMania 10, Savage is like, look, I, I want to work a program with Shawn Michaels and he had this whole thing mapped out. So I'd always heard that. I'm like, well, it made sense, right? I mean, you know, Shawn was a great worker. He was an up and coming star. He was the future of the business. I get why Savage would want to work with him. What I didn't realize was they had already worked together. So my thinking was, you know, this match takes place right after WrestleMania eight. All right. And then, you know, Keep Savage probably said, look, I, we have this incredible chemistry and we could have this incredible, you know, kind of two year run. So it wasn't just based on Savage's hunch. It was actually based on Savage saying, no, we're, we're, we're having these great matches and, and, you know, we could, I mean, I'm sure he's thinking if, if those two wrestled at WrestleMania 10, they'd have the best match in the history of WrestleMania at that point. So really interesting stuff here. Anything else you want to add before we, we jump into things? No, I've got some details about how, when it was on TV. And so it was months Good. later, but we but got we'll, all kinds of we'll, we we'll cover stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll cover that. So um, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for the five stars. Thanks for hitting us on social media. Um, we couldn't do this without you or we could, but no one would listen. So um, we've had a very loyal audience for a year now and we appreciate you continuing to listen. And the only other thing we'll ask of you is, you know, share what we're doing. So, you know, uh, liking things, commenting on things and sharing things on social media, wherever you follow what we're doing, that's a massive help to us and and we greatly appreciate it. So um, Jeff, let's go ahead and get into the bill. It's time for the build. So UK Rampage 1992. Jeff, had you ever heard of these Rampage pay-per-views prior to this week? Did that prior to you sharing that tweet with me? No. Yeah, me neither. Um, not that I'm shocked that they did them. I just had never heard. I, I vaguely remember like the Rampage tour and then doing the UK stuff following WrestleMania. What I didn't realize is they had these shows, right? And so I'll, I'll just quickly give you some backstory on it. Uh, the first one took place, and this is the first kind of WWF UK event. Um, they did this inaugural UK rampage in 1989. It was headlined by new champion Hulk Hogan against former champion, Randy Savage. That's, that's 89. Okay. And that takes place at the London arena. 
Um, it broadcast on Sky One. And so, again, from my research, it says it was the first live event in the UK that the WWF did, which is crazy to think about because of how popular they would become and probably already were at this time. So they do this thing in 89. Then they do it again in 91. Okay. So 91, you'll remember that's Hogan uh, slaughter territory. So Hogan's your world champ and uh, slaughter's challenging for the world championship. Um, That one would take place in April of 91. So then we get to 92, which is what we're covering. Again, they do this in April of 92. It's in the Sheffield Arena in Sheffield, England. Um, <laughs> we'll run through the card, but uh, Randy Savage is your world champ defending against Shawn Michaels. That's in the middle of the card. The main event of this show, probably because we're in England, is the British Bulldog and Erwin R. Scheister. So that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, and again, they're bouncing. Go ahead, go ahead. The, the British bulldog taking down the American government on that one. The tax man. There you go. Yeah, that uh, that that match does it kind of funny. Yeah. Well, and you know what's probably also funny about it? Like, I, I doubt that the in the UK there, there's a couple things funny about this. Number one is in the UK they probably don't call it the Internal Revenue Service. Okay, so like IRS means nothing there. They probably have their own version of it. Okay. Number right. two is I remember as a kid. So I, I think Vince McMahon sometimes like. Thinks, you know, and I've heard this, and this may have been Meltzer that said it, but like the WWF is like written for an audience of one, and that audience is Vince McMahon, right? So, like, a couple of classic examples of this are like Erwin R. Scheister, right? Like, dude, what, how old was I when I was watching this shit? I'm, I'm uh, 92, I'm eight years old, okay? You think I knew what the hell the, the IRS was? Or, oh gosh, like, you know, we're overtaxed as a country. God, this guy's a heel. I'm going to boo the shit out of him, right? Like, but Vince probably thought it was funny and, oh, it's IRS. You get it? That's his initials. Like, it's like, it's like Lex Luger with a narcissist. Like, what eight-year-old kid knows what a narcissist is, right? Right. Well, a quick Google search and Twitter will let me know if I'm wrong here. The equivalent of the U.S. Eternal Revenue System Revenue System in the United Kingdom is Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs Office, the HMRC. Awesome. So Twitter can let me know what it's, it might actually be called. That's just a quick search for kind of us sitting here. But yeah, IRS, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. So, so again, it's, it's just funny for, for a few reasons. All right. So let's talk about this, this UK rampage 92. Again, they're bouncing around on different channels. This particular one aired live on sky movies plus. So sky is our UK listeners would tell us, um, is kind of like the big network over there. They've got a few different variations of channels. This happened to air live on sky movies plus. So it's kind of a premium event, if you will, not traditional pay-per-view, but a Pay television network. So this is the this event was the final of this European Rampage tour. So they had these shows throughout Europe, and then this is the final one. It's this special UK Rampage show. So we have eight thousand people in the Sheffield Arena. Um, let's talk about this 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 card. Was, there's a lot of interesting things happening. Tataka is going to open up the show and beat Skinner. That would go twelve minutes. Then we have the Legion of Doom defeating. How's this for a tag team? Colonel Mustafa and Dino Bravo, four minute match, obviously a squash, Legion of Doom pounding them. Love then, Legion of Doom. then we have, I never, never had the padded spikes, but uh, love me some Legion of Doom. 
Then we have Sid Justice, who's accompanied by Harvey Whippleman, defeating The Undertaker by countout. That would only go five minutes. So, you know, this is Sid coming off the WrestleMania 8 match with Hogan. You know, they give him the final spot of the show. He's going to be gone soon. Man, 92 is just a crazy-ass time in wrestling, and we'll talk more about it when we watch this match. But, dude, you sit on the way out. Warriors back, but then Warriors gone soon after. A bunch of title flip-flops, which they never ping-pong the world title around, but they did in 92. You know, you have Savage, then you have Hogan taking a, a, a long hiatus. Uh, it was just a wild, wild time. So then we have Savage and Sean wrestling. Uh, we're going to watch a 16-minute match between those two, which, man, I'm so pumped about. Uh, then the Mountie defeating Virgil in nine minutes. Then the Intercontinental Champion, Bret Hart, defeating Rick the Mortal Martell in a 13-minute match. Our second-to-last match is Jim Duggan defeating the Repo Man by DQ, seven-minute match. Again, what's with these DQs count-outs? Like, what, are we protecting the Repo Man? I mean, come on. And then finally, the main event, the British Bulldog uh, defeating IRS, who's accompanied by Jimmy Hart. So there you go. That was a 13-minute match. That's your UK Rampage 92. Jeff, what do you think of that card? A lot of, you know, definitely has some, if you kind of put yourself in the time when that was happening, definitely has a lot of uh, that feel-good house show uh, matches um, with kind of who was winning and things like that. I think they, the only one uh, that kind of sneak in, you know, the Randy Savage and Shawn Michaels, like that one could kind of be, you know, like what, it just interesting how that one was and kind of what was playing out at the time. Uh, funny to think too about like Sid justice beating the undertaker, even though it was count out in like five minutes. I just find that almost comical, uh, especially nowadays kind of just, you know, the undertaker being what he was versus what he was in 92. But um, especially for the time, a lot of big names on the card. I think it's hard to deny that of just like, it would have been fun to go to this show, especially if you weren't ever really getting shows in the UK to see all these people like absolutely be worth it. Good stuff. Well, and, you know, and I think Eric Bischoff brought this up on his podcast, but what we, what, and I thought this, I thought was fascinating, but keep in mind that like in 1992, these guys didn't all have Twitter accounts. They didn't all have Instagram pages. Um, celebrities in really kind of pre-social media, they weren't accessible. You know, and it's like this weird dynamic now where when you meet a wrestler. So, you know, Steve Austin, you meet him at an autograph signing. It's like, yeah, I've never met him in person before, but I've listened to his podcast. I've seen his social media posts. You feel so familiar with these people, but back in 92, it's like, it was a big deal to see these people in person. It's like that Michael Jordan documentary that's out now when he went to France, like it was just, you saw them in person. It was a major deal. Um, now it's like not as crazy. But so to your point, Jeff, I mean, kind of cool. I mean, in person, you're seeing the Legion of Doom, you're seeing Sid, the Undertaker, the Macho Man, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, the Bulldog, right? So yeah, there's a lot of star power on this show, for sure. So I know that this wasn't like a massive storyline or build, but uh, how, how, you know, what are, what are Randy Savage and Shawn Michaels doing to this point? And, and how do they get paired together? Yeah. And so just kind of interesting how this played out is like you said a little bit at the beginning there, we had, um, you know, really the young guy in Michaels and then kind of the old guard in Randy Savage here. And so 
Uh, Michaels had really just within the last year debuted as the heartbreak kid uh, back in 1992 at this point. Um, it was, you know, within that year, this was after the, the rockers had broken up. And so this was, of course, the just infamous, you know, incredible, you know, can't forget it barbershop moment of Shawn Michaels super kicking Marty Jannetty um, and throwing him through the glass window in the barbershop. So- no, 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 no. That's that's that is that's actually incorrect. And I hate to I know you do your best with this research and you know, I know we try to be accurate. Uh, Marty jumped through the window. Oh, I apologize. Yes. Um, that was the, the classic that, Bobby Heenan. Oh, look at Marty. He, he, he tried to escape. <laughs> that that, that I, I did. And I apologize to our listeners that my research did not, uh, I, I have the incorrect information there, but yeah. So either way, uh, we can't deny there was a super kick and uh super fan, Tom, uh, Marty. One Gennetti. of the best angles of all time, man. I'm yes. telling you that was God, some of those, and I mean, that's one of them. I think about like Hogan and Andre on the Piper's Pit. Um, gosh, there's just some of those, I don't know. I, I, I miss it. And I know we we often romanticize about the past year on the payoff, but God, man, some of that stuff, like, I, I mean, still to this day, like what tag team breakup is better than that? I mean, it was yeah. just so good. I mean, they, they planted the seeds of it. Yeah, kind of saw it coming, but then, man, was that, oh, was that good? So, sorry, yeah. to, sorry to interrupt. Hey, no, that's okay. We want to bring the, the correct information to our fans. So, um, so would have been, um, it was actually WrestleMania 8, which was April 5th. This kind of UK Rampage event was April 19th. So, that WrestleMania 8, Michaels, it was actually his first pay-per-view singles match. You know, he had some tag stuff, some other things, but his first match as a singles competitor, he beat Tito Santana in that one. Uh, and this was, of course, after another, you know, the, the infamous uh, Michaels, uh, go, uh, the double eliminate. They had a double elimination uh, in the Royal Rumble between the two of them kind of eliminating each other. It was the kind of angle that they were playing up on that one. So uh, it's just kind of interesting how that was, you know, a thing and happening. So with that, though, of course, though, you have uh, just really a couple weeks later and kind of Michaels, like you said, kind of proving himself as the young guy, kind of trying to put them over that. Um, he had well had failing to kind of win the championship belt um from Randy Savage that or he or, yeah he was going to get this opportunity at UK Rampage um to compete for it so like i said this was april 1992 wasn't a ton of build it was primarily like i said just because um michael's had very quickly become just a, a kind of a you know, the big name is being the young guy. And so they were going to put him in that promotion. Like you said, uh, macho man coming off of that big match with Ric Flair, which I'll talk about this a little bit in the aftermath, this uh, mania eight, there was a little bit of back and forth there. And then also the aftermath, I, I have to talk, you know, bring up miss Elizabeth too. There were some behind the scenes things happening too, um, in real life, you know, actual shoot stuff that, uh, they were dealing with. So a little bit more in the aftermath here. So not a giant build, but, um, you know, just kind of a, a good match that we got to because both guys kind of, you know, are, you know, really Michael's kind of coming up, giving him the opportunity as the kind of young gun to, to see what he can do. So, uh, good stuff though. So Tom, I know you have some thoughts though. Yeah, just a couple other things. And, you know, it's funny because as we were looking at WrestleMania 8, there were two things that 
I, I did kind of a deep dive on because I, I wanted to refresh my memory a little bit and um, involving both these guys, you know, so Savage wins the title over Flair, right? So Flair only has that couple month run. Um, I, I, you know, my guess is at that time, it was still the, you know, baby face needs to win the world title, but especially because of where they situated that. And, and I love Savage winning the title. And obviously Savage is one of my all time favorites. And the more Savage stuff we watch now, the more I continue to become a bigger fan of his, as crazy as that sounds, even all these years later, I just continue to appreciate it more and more. But man, I, I just, maybe you have Flair keep the belt throughout the year um, as opposed to bouncing it on to Savage, you know, for that second reign. So, you know, we originally thought we were going to get that Hogan flair match at WrestleMania eight, which I, we should have, you know, Hogan was taking that break. So he wasn't going to win the title. Uh, Hogan must pose, you know, so I think they just booked themselves into this corner where they had to keep flair and Hogan apart. Plus they had done all the house show matches. So the novelty of it wore off. Um, so, you know, there were, there was that burnout and then, you know, there was some, spe- you know, obviously the Hogan steroid stuff I was reading about, I, I don't know if there's any truth to this or not, but then there was some like Hogan cocaine stuff. I, that's what Keller was speculating at the time. So it just seemed like Hogan was taking a break. He was a little toxic. Um, so he wasn't going to win the world title at this show. So then you had to separate Hogan and Flair. So then who, what baby face is going to beat Flair? Um, they end up giving it to Savage. So it's just a, a weird time. And, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, the other dream match other than Hogan and Flair that we wish we would have got at WrestleMania eight, at least in my mind was the original plan for Shawn Michaels, which was him and Marty Jannetty. And we didn't get that match because Marty was fired for drugs again. So, um, yeah, it was just interesting instead of Hogan and flair and then Sean and Marty, which both would have been incredible matches. We, we didn't get either of them. So, uh, just something interesting there as well. So Jeff, let's, let's get to this match. Um, it's, it's on the network. All right. So like I said, it's on daily motion. If you, if you want to stream it, um, we're going to start this with Savage having just entered the ring. We're at the 43 minute mark of UK rampage 1992. So if you're trying to find it on the network, search for UK rampage 1992, um, and then hit the 43 minute mark of the show, which is Randy Savage coming into the ring. So Jeff, anything else you want to add before we jump into this one? Let's rock and roll, my friend. I'm excited. Let's rock and roll. It is time for the payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. All right. Liz, her final WWF appearance. What an interesting side note to this one. Yeah, and this is one, and of course, you got Michaels with the uh, sensational Sherry as well, too. Oh, I love it. I love, that's what was, that's one of the things that's so great about this match is you have the, the contrast of the two women, right? You have Sherry, who used to manage Savage, Liz, who's now back with Savage. So um, I don't know how much they talk about that on commentary, but you know, this is only a year removed from uh, Savage losing his retirement match to the Warrior, the big teary Liz returns things. You know, they get Sherry out of the ring. Now Sherry's repackaged with Sean. And here you go, the heel Shawn Michaels and getting run off uh, by, by Savage. Did you like Savage's ring attire better at this point or when he wore the short trunks and uh, no shirt? 
So you and I, I made the comment just before uh, we started recording and we were kind of finding our timestamp on this stuff of the, uh, the I, I am very much digging the uh, leopard or tiger print yellow and red that he's got in the, uh, the full suit right now. I think that's a good look for him. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And I could see, you know, Savage was so paranoid. I can see him thinking that like his body wasn't good enough at this point to, to wear a shirt, you know, to, to go shirtless or something. I'm sure he still looked fantastic, but. The, uh, and the tassels on the arm, of course, you can't forget that. So um, just interesting. And of course, like, you know, and this was Michael's too. I, I, you know, one thing I want to point out is we're kind of talking, like, he was, he hadn't really found the gimmick yet. And so, you know, he was, you know, knew that he was going to, you know, probably knew that he had big things on the horizon, you know, where he was heading and things like that, but it didn't really fully establish the kind of heartbreak kid at this point you know, wasn't a thing that, you know, everybody knew and, you know, it was, it was really coming into itself at this point too. Well, yeah. And so you figure, so remember the timeline here is uh, Davy boy is going to win the intercontinental title off of bread at SummerSlam 92 and Wembley. So they'd be back there sooner than later. And then that fall, Sean's going to win um, over the bulldog for his first, uh, his first IC title win. So this is before Sean had even won the intercontinental title. Um, but he's getting world title shots. Cause he would, he had a world title shot uh, uh, later in the year, I believe as well. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. So, I mean, just a fast action match already. Look at, look at him selling the shit out of these turnpost bumps though. Like just literally bouncing off the top turnbuckle as macho man's hitting his head into it. Just fantastic. Sherry checking up on him. Earl Hebner, uh, the referee, Savage throwing a chair in the ring. Um, just great, right? And, of course, it's like the padded chairs. Before they had the gimmick chairs, they would use real chairs. Right. So uh, one kind of little interesting thing, that it, one of my points here is this was a time in WWF, uh, WWE, however you want to, at the time, where the world title was not necessarily defended as the main event. Um, there was actually a couple different shows here where I was kind of doing the research where it was almost the better part of like six months where the heavyweight championship was not the kind of final event. No start, you know, you can look at, you know, going back to Royal rumble, the title was vacant, but then WrestleMania a couple weeks before this, the main event was Hogan and justice, which was not for the belt. And the kind of the savage and flair match was in the middle of the card for the heavyweight title. Um, you kind of jump forward to, to that summer, and SummerSlam, again, the Intercontinental title was the, the main event on that one. It was the Bulldog and Bret Hart where you had the Warrior and Savage. What are your thoughts on this, you know, I, you know what title? Oh, the handle onto the outside on Sean, the bumping machine, man. Crowd goes crazy. Love it. All right, so go ahead what, ask your question. What are, that's our fine. What are your thoughts on, like, kind of where the title should fall and kind of laying a card out? Do you have any kind of strong feelings one way or the other that that should, you know, at Mania, you know, most recently we saw it kind of headline the two nights, but what are your thoughts on where it should fall? I have no idea. I have no issue with the world title not being the main event, right? Because to me, it's like, it's okay if you have multiple, like, big things, right? So, like, this particular show, Sherry and Liz now kind of wrestling a little bit. I mean, and Savage going after Sherry just grabs her by the head. I mean, it's just, it obviously, it doesn't age well. But, I mean, Sherry was just a bumping machine at this point, you know? And 
wrestling loose term. Yeah, uh, Sherry just kind of shaking Elizabeth, not and then Elizabeth leaving now. Yeah, Elizabeth bails. Um, so yeah, I don't mind the world title not being last. Like I like the idea of this show where it's like, man, in the middle of the show and I'm getting a world title match. It's going to go 20 minutes. Plus I'm getting the hometown hero in the main event, the Bulldog. So when, when something makes sense to finish the show with like a WrestleMania with the undertaker, even if he's not in the world title match, cool. Like I have, I have no issue with that at all. And I think we, you know, we most recently, especially saw it with, with what the uh, 35 with Seth and Brock leading things off. Like, you know, that was worth it. That, you know, and it kind of made sense on the card. And I think, you know, I see a lot of websites out there that kind of, you know, we did it a little bit like plan a card and kind of lay out a card with the titles and things like that. I agree with you. I think like, especially to keep kind of things hype, like in, and this too is one where, you know, Michael's, it didn't need to be the main event because you do wonder like kind of how well it would have gone over, especially even if you just flip this card and you didn't put the bulldog last, you know, you kind of have to give that, that opportunity to kind of, you know, it, it, the big match like that, it wouldn't have gone over as well. And the crowd would have been dead after the fact. Well, keep in mind the timeline on this one, right? So this is April of 92 just five months prior is when the barber shop took place. So, you know, to your point, Sean's, I mean, he just became the heartbreak kid, but it's just crazy to think that an angle that still to this day is talked about as one of the, the best, the barber shop, you know, Sean turns on Marty. You didn't get that match at WrestleMania because Marty Jannetty was such a fuck up. I mean, it's just crazy. Like you missed what, I mean, I'm not saying it would have main evented WrestleMania eight, but I mean, that's an excellent grudge match that in those two, I mean, they would have had a phenomenal wrestling match as well. Uh, it didn't need a title. It just would have been a phenomenal grudge match. So uh, we really got cheated on that. But yeah, this is still Sean just becoming the heartbreak kid, just starting to find the character. Sherry obviously added a lot to it. But, you know, here he is in a world title match, you know, on a European tour, getting a pretty damn good payday. Yeah. And this is one that I, I agree. <laughs> it, it's just um, interesting, especially, you know, seeing like, we've done it over the course of the show too. Like just some of these young guys, uh, they say young bucks. Uh, not a, yeah. These young guns that kind of get in the opportunity. And, you know, we talk about a lot, like using the U S title, using the intercontinental title as that kind of middle, you know, middle ground belt. Um, it could even be a stepping stone. Like, you know, really they obviously saw something in Michaels to kind of give him an opportunity like this. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, just remember the stuff that him and Marty were doing, though. There was no one else doing the high-flying stuff. I mean, they were they were just so far ahead of almost everyone on the roster of, of the stuff they were doing. And I'm sure that people already knew Michaels was a little bit of a character backstage. They knew that, you know, the right gimmick, he'd be fantastic. I love these Sean uh, tights, though, by the way. They're, they're still some of my favorites. And he wore these tights most of 92, it seems like. So I think he had the same ones on when he won the Intercontinental title. But, um, yeah, he just that kind of red with the this little marks or whatever. So, um, you know, this was – Jeff, this was an interesting year in 92 because think, think about the world title, right? We enter the year – with it being vacant, right? So end of 91, you had the Hogan, Undertaker, uh, Flair helps Taker cheat. Then Tuesday in Texas, um, Taker gets the, or loses the title to Hogan, but then they strip it. So it ends up that it's vacant. Royal Rumble, Flair wins it. Then Savage wins it at WrestleMania. Then, you know, SummerSlam 92, you had that bullshit uh, warrior, uh, 
savage like DQ finish, uh, flares involved. It just it just made no sense. Then Flair wins back the title on a nothing show from Savage. Then Brett wins the title in a nothing match. And it's just odd, man. Just a really odd uh, year for sure. Well, and Brett won that one at a house show. Like, yeah. you know, that Savage going back up to the top again for another double axe handle. Uh, second one of the match. God, I love when he does that. don't see it anymore. Like it's we great. were talking about this last week. Like it's just, you know, whatever, you know what, the week two. And the way they always shot at the camera angle too, it always looked like he was so high. It just looked so dangerous. And again, it, it stood out because guys weren't doing that all the time. Now it's, you see a dive out of the ring and it's like a hip toss. Well, and that was, I read an interesting article. It's been quite a while. I forget when it was maybe a year ago about like how new Japan films versus how like WWE films and like new Japan uses like low angles, like almost like kind of where they're at behind Sherry right now from the floor, because it does make them so much bigger in the ring. Double X again, one, two, nope, kick out. Um, and, yeah, and we have, and we have gorilla and Bobby on commentary. Another great thing classic. about this show. Oh yeah. But yeah, just like those, those little changes that could make them look bigger than life. Like you're right. Like he does. He looks huge. He looks like he's so high up. Like in some of those axe handles when they're on the ground, because I mean, it's just how he he was. It, it, and it truly it made it, it give that gave it that really cinematic feel. Nice reversal there by Sean. You know, another thing that and both men hitting the mat. I love it. Um, another thing that's interesting too is. When you were a kid, do you remember like paying attention or caring about the work rate? Oh no, me neither. Not and, not and I'm not. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but it's a super kick. Before the super kick was the finisher, I believe, if my memory serves me correct, Pat Patterson, because he was doing the super kick. I think they called it like a crescent kick. He was doing that as a setup for like his kind of weird suplex or whatever that he would do to finish guys off. And I think Pat Patterson was like, you know, your finisher is the super kick, right? Like that's the better move. It's kind of interesting. So now Sean uh, body slam going to the top rope here. If I, I think I keep seeing a, a kid in the front row flipping Shawn Michaels off and yelling at him. You have to pay attention to that. That's pretty funny. Yeah, knows that a few times. He's so on top rope, and this is when Shawn would do the fist drop off the top rope. Of course, later on in his career, that would become the elbow drop. Such a, it seemed like such a basic move too, but like, and Macho rolls all the way to the outside um, trying to get a hit. Is the kid on the left or right? Where are we looking? I think it's the kid in the white shirt that's uh, right by Savage. Okay. He was really laying into Shawn pretty good. That's funny. There he is. I always used to love that when they had the horn on, they were just honking, you know, that they they do like the horn in the UK shows. Like they had that SummerSlam 92 as well. Uh, It's like, like it's soccer matches, you know, like kind of the same thing. And so I just realized too, if you, if you, yeah, those not watching. So what, that's probably what a good, eight inches between the padding and the floor. Oh, huge punch from Sherry to Macho Man's throat. I mean, that's, Uh, that's why I love managers, right? They just add that whole other element to the matches, a good heel manager. And then, and they really, you know, or, you know, ring us, you know, whatever they are, valet, whatever they call it, like different things now. Like, yeah, and it, it is. And that's, I've said it and always, you know, for a long time now, like bring like the stables and have a manager, like. Oh, I've even been a fan on raw recently of Selena Vega. 
She's been, oh, she was great. I, I, I managed to catch her a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they've got a little, you know, that little team going with, uh, uh, angel and, you know, the couple of Umberto. Yeah. Umberto, yeah. And, and like, it's kind of a revolving door, um, Austin theory, stuff like that. So yeah, but it's good. It's, it, it just, it's, it just, add, it's something different. My goodness. You know, it's just, well, nice can you just... imagine this whole time that Brock, even if you just take like the last two, three years, if Brock has had to work the mic versus Heyman. Like how much different would that? I don't even know how you keep him relevant without having a mouthpiece. Right. You know, you and I probably say more words in this show, like this one show than he has in the last couple of years sometimes. Well, you don't, I mean, you don't need Heyman ringside for the matches, but it's just the mouthpiece that you need him for, you know, it's, I mean, but, but this is kind of the opposite where Sherry's just adds so much to the matches. And I think like the, my favorite Brock line over the last few years was with the Heath Slater when he's like, I don't give a shit about your kids. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like that was like, that was good. But those are the, like, those are the types of lines. Like if he drops one of those every couple of months, let Heyman do the heavy lifting. Yeah. Like that's fine. Like, I, you know, however you feel about the in ring and kind of him having belts, but you can't deny that that's been really good. Like, you know, and that kind of, you know, the work product here. You know what I like about this building is wait till you see the main hard cam it looks like the fans are just right on top of the ring because they're slightly elevated um, just a little bit. And it just looks like they're right on top of the action, which is pretty cool. Heather, ref Oh boy. He took it hard on that one too. I agree. It's got like a little slight incline. I like, yeah, the, the setup is just interesting. Yeah. So Hebner just getting laid out by Macho Man there after a, a ring whip or yeah. Yeah, I, I just love the way they have the crowd position. It just looks like they're right on top of the ring. Going for the body slam onto Sean. Boom. Sean, the bumping machine even back then, really selling it. What's Sherry going to do to have their down on the ring there? Oh, here you go, Savage. Uh, machoing up. Machoing up, yep. I always love how disheveled Macho looks by the end of the match, especially later on in his career. The hair, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. so body slam, is he setting up for the elbow drop? What's going on here? Ref's still out. Uh-oh. Looks like he's going for bombs away here. Nobody checking on Earl. The best elbow drop in the history of the business. You think one of the referee's uh, colleagues would come down and help him out? So ma- Macho... One, two, three, four, five. Nope, Michelle. attacking. Hey, Gorilla wants Randy to punch Sherry in the mouth. Again, I'm not saying that this age is well, okay? Uh, crowd just going nuts. They're all on their feet now. Hebner finally comes to. Now he's going to the pen. And he kicks out. Wait, so here. We, we talked about it briefly in the build. What are your thoughts? Uh, where would you rank Macho in? Oh, Macho mind? just spit at Sherry. She ducked it. So now the, the baby faces, you know, hit and spit at the woman. Uh, where do where do you rank Macho in your commentators? You know, we talk about you know some other ones, but you know, what are your thoughts on just kind of you know he was in the ring and doing some commentary. Elizabeth coming back. What do you? Think I, I like I like Macho on commentary. I like that he could still work a match if he needed to, which I always thought added another element, no different than like Lawler later on in his career. So I always like that. Um, but I love when a former wrestler's on commentary. I'd rather listen. Oh, crossbody one two. 
didn't get him. I see. I like when a former wrestler that was like a main eventer's on commentary. I, you know, I like a, a Mick Foley. I like a Randy Savage. I like a Mr. Perfect. I like these guys that are on commentary, uh, you know, because they add an element. To me, that's a lot more interesting than, you know, having uh, Corey Graves. Like that flip two count. Boom. I mean, they're moving at a pretty damn good pace here. I mean, this has been a fantastic match. It's, it, it's picked up in the last couple of minutes and is like, you know, my brother and I joke like uh, – we're, we're finally cooking. Boom. the cross body. Sprints up the turnbuckle and hits him with it for the three count and gets the The heel attack him after the match. What a good match. Now Sherry takes off the uh, high heels. And she's going to hit Savage with them. just love them. He's got the world title, classic winged eagle, of course. That was they're, fun. And they still got a couple, what, four more matches after this, too. So a good way to kind of break the card up. But you almost wonder if it was like an intermission, and then they kind of gave him a little break at this point. But they do those intermissions. They may still have those things to do that. That's right. Winged eagle bell. Crazy outfit from Macho Man. Puts the belt on Liz. Voices her up. I mean, look at that. They love it. Good stuff. Absolutely. And I know, look, I know Vince wanted to go younger. I get it. But, man, give, give me this throughout 92. Give me Macho Man all year long, then maybe the Macho Man loses to Yokozuna at the end of the year or even at WrestleMania 9. Uh, I, and I know there's, I know it's more complicated. Look at the fans just on top of the ring too. I know it's more complicated than that because I don't know if Savage wanted to work a full schedule and they all had to work a full schedule then. And I get that there's a lot of moving pieces, but let me just fantasy book it and say, I wouldn't have hotshotted the title back on the flair, then on the Brett, then on the Yoko, then on the Hogan, then back on the Yoko. I mean, God, it was just a, the world title during this time period. They just did not do it well. But, man, it's great to see Savage's champ. So, Jeff, I'm going to kick it back to you, and let's get into the aftermath. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. Yeah, good stuff on this one. And so, um, like we kind of said, it's just unusual to me, like kind of where this match fell and and kind of what was happening and things like that. And so, but um, either way, you kind of had this one. And so, uh, but a good match either way. So 
after this, of course, you had the Savage Flair match back at WrestleMania, but um, their feud really kind of kept continuing. And like Tom said, uh, we touched on at the beginning of the show, this was actually Elizabeth's, um, it was her final WWF appearance. Um, now, it was seemed kind of odd and, you know, the behind the scenes kind of things that were happening because, like we said too, this event didn't actually air it was actually wwf primetime wrestling this was the kind of two-hour block of wrestling that we would get it was before monday night raw was a monday night raw thing but it was a two-hour long show it was on usa network they would put on and over the years it evolved different ways of like you know sometimes it would be this kind of pre-taped matches and things like this and showing different things um is by the you know the end it was kind of like the the panel of people where you had um you know just different people all kinds of stuff and vince was moderating it it was definitely interesting but it was kind of out there but um this was you know at the time and then after it aired um in june this was her really last appearance now um because as this we would later find out we didn't know at the time there was kind of two pieces to this of one there was the actual like savage and elizabeth getting a divorce and that was actually happening behind the scenes but then Flair and Savage were actually using it. Well, Flair, however you want to cut it, was actually using it as part of the storyline to uh, reveal again, Vince using that real life stuff. That's when it works the best, but um, that, you know, Flair, or Elizabeth had, um, you know, cheated with Flair. He had doctored some photos. That was kind of, um, you know, how it had, you know, come out after the fact. And it was actually interesting. Because, bless you. Oh my goodness. Um, there well, apparently the uh, mute button doesn't work on my microphone. That's good to know. All right. So <laughs> that, that, that cough button on the radio. Yeah, we missed it. So, um, so, but it was interesting because it was actually WWF magazine. And remember, this is when Kayfabe was live and well, actually posted a statement about their divorce. And so, which really at the time, and I'm, I, I, meant to try and find it i couldn't find it but it was really a, a very unusual thing and so um you know it, it's the savage flare stuff kind of happened through really september of that year but after it was announced it didn't come up again and so for whatever reason like just odd to me like how, why they would announce it um and i'll try and find it we can kind of share it on our twitter um for everyone but it just you know announcing something like that in the magazine especially with kfa being what it is just weird so so we have that so it was really though uh savage though kind of feuding as well too through 1992 with the ultimate warrior um you know they the warrior had come back and kind of they went back and forth a lot of different things and of course savage uh feuding with flair as well too um and so a lot of different things happening with them michaels on the other hand though he ended up going on he won the intercontinental title from bret hart and the ww in the ladder match um that was later that year um, as well as having just uh, is the start of his career as the as HBK is really what it was, and so um, he actually wouldn't win the heavyweight title for another couple of years. Um, he had a lot of different kind of belts and things, but I, I thought that was kind of interesting that he didn't. While the, the, he had this match, and it was kind of you know the the first one in in 1992, he didn't actually win the belt. It was the Iron Man match in WrestleMania 12. And so kind of a long time, I say a long build for him, you know, and of course he had some other belts and did a lot of things in that, in that, in that time in between. But, um, 
really interesting. I thought how that kind of played out. And then of course the return. So you're, you're, you're saying like, how, isn't it crazy to think that it took four years for a guy to, to, you know, between the time he started having some title matches to the time he actually got the title, that, yeah, that sure. long build and, and how we missed that. I mean, Gosh, you know, Drew McIntyre feels like the first guy in forever to have that true, like, lengthy build to becoming a world champion, right? Right, and he had to leave and come back. And so, and this is one I think you and, you and I, we talk about it all the time, too. Like, um, you know, and he had matches of the year. He had matches of the year in 93, 94, 95, 96. Like, he had that long stretch that we've talked about before where he had all these matches of the year, but never really had the title at any point during that. Um, but had a, a ton of different titles. And this, like you said, you don't, I think doing a good job of building, because we've said too on the show, you don't need the belt to make the man or the woman, whatever it might be. Uh, like the fiend, like he's dead, you know, to both of us, I think, at this point. So that's one that you didn't really need that. But, um, he had the Intercontinental belt for a while and uh, losing it again, interestingly enough, to the returning after it, losing it in uh, May of 93 to Marty Jannetty, actually. So, um, but then winning it back, actually, uh, right around my birthday, June, uh, early June of 93, uh, with the help of who we've discussed before, his bodyguard, Diesel. So, um, you know, just kind of, you know, a, a lot happening for these guys, you know, macho man kind of, you know, had established his career and been there for a while. Shawn Michaels, like at the time, not knowing what he would go on to do, but yeah, like years before he would get like the top of the mountain. But, um, once he got there though, you know, along the way, a lot of good stuff that happened for him and all those matches of the years and just kind of fun things. Like that. So uh, Tom, what are the thoughts you got about the aftermath? You know, I'll, I'll, and I, and I alluded to this, um, a little bit during the match, but man, these are, and, and, and this is obviously nothing against the macho man, but the, this to me is the dark days of the WWF title. And, and here's what I mean by that is, I mean, you know, growing up, obviously, you know, you had that the Hogan championship reign, you know, Savage had it for a year, Warrior had it for a year, Slaughter briefly had it before Hogan got it back. Like, it made sense, right? I mean, you could nitpick at it, but for the most part, you know, from, you know, 84 on through the first, you know, seven WrestleManias up until the 91, the, the world title made sense, Right. And that was the guy, but man, this is a brutal stretch that went on for a while where, you know, you did the taker Hogan thing that sucked. Then, you know, the Royal rumble and flair winning was obviously a great moment, but then boom, now you're putting it on savage. And then, you know, you didn't really have a great challenger for him. And you had the warrior match, which baby face, baby face back then. It just, eh. It, it didn't work there. I mean, it worked for, for Hogan Warrior, but it just didn't work in this scenario. Then you have, you know, uh, Flair winning the hot shot of title, then Brett winning the hot shot of title. Brett never really got that WrestleMania moment of winning the title for the first time, although they did crown him at the end of 10. Um, then you have it on Yoko, which again, I thought Yoko was a great big man, but as eh, a world champion, I don't know. Uh, you know, you tried to get Luger involved in it. Um, Diesel was not a great world champion. I mean, it just, it was, I mean, to me, it's like it took a number of years before the world title, you know, made it back to 
what I would call an interesting champion of Shawn Michaels because, you know, he had a great run of matches that year after he won it. But I don't know. I just, again, this whole era, I, I love the players. I just don't like the booking, right? I mean, yeah. what's not to love about Savage and Flair and Warrior and Bret Hart and, you know, a guy like Shawn Michaels in there and, you know, perfect managing Flair. I mean, I again, love the players, just hate the booking. Um, really, really poor during this era. So before we jump on, and um, I shared the link with you uh, in, in, in the uh, note page that we have, but I did find an image. We will make sure to share it on Twitter. It is the scan of the page of them announcing the uh, divorce in the WWF magazine, 1992. Um, very interesting here. And it's kind of, it, it's made out to look like Randy Savage's handwriting. It's you got to read this. It is a fact that Elizabeth and I are divorced, and I would like to go on record right now to say that this is nobody's fault. It's just one of those things that didn't work out. The next thing I want to say is, Elizabeth, I know you're out there and reading this. Please remember that in my heart, I will always love you, Randy Savage. Um, and then there's an interesting kind of like just a little blurb here. That was like, that was what Randy wrote. But then there was a little kind of message, a personal message from Randy Savage to his fans. For, for several months, fans have speculated over the marital status of the Macho Man Randy Savage and Elizabeth. Now, WWF Magazine sadly reports that the couple has divorced. Understandably, both parties wish to conduct this most personal of processes privately, even though they just published it in a magazine. However, uh, with the divorce finalized, Savage expressed a need to communicate directly and honestly with his many followers here is the handwritten statement he delivered to this publication um which is really nice handwriting if that's truly his uh, butt and so beautiful uh, penmanship yeah it really is yeah so uh and it's got a photo of elizabeth and her giant wedding dress and macho of course in his uh wedding attire with the tassels uh, and then there's a little blurb that's <laughs> randy and elizabeth at happier times uh and through the years the staff of w the staff at wwf magazine has enjoyed many fond moments with the wwf's first couple now we wish both individuals the best of luck as they go on with their lives. Crazy to see this. I'm glad I found it. Um, and just like, you know, I'm sure Macho had some pull to do something like that, but just interesting. So um, just fun. So, all right. So Tom, you got, uh, before we get into the write-ups, you got any other kind of final thoughts or we'll get into that? No, jump into the right. I, I didn't, I, I'm surprised you found a write-up of this one. I'm excited. I am too. Um, and so I, I will say this, that uh, it's very brief, but uh, again, we, we've been kind of adding it to the show, the PWI, no matter how you feel about it. So 1992, Savage was actually number two um, in the PWI 1992, and Michaels was number 16. So if he was two, who was one? Was it Flair? Uh, I don't know. I'm actually going to pull it up again real quick because I don't know. Or Sting, maybe? Sting. WCW? Is that was that who it was? Okay. Sting. Flair was three. And then Rick Rude, a huge jump from 26 the year before to number four. So um, interesting how that played out. So in uh, the and the following year, Shawn Michaels jumped way up to number three. So Michaels went from 16 to three between 92 and 93. So um, interesting how that played out. And I don't know if Macho is even on the list. Randy Savage dropped a 28 from number two. So, uh, so interesting how that played out, but I just, of course I didn't find anything. And I, I kind of dug a little bit in the, between uh, the PWI torch and the wrestling observer newsletter. It wasn't a ton out there, but um, 
it's so but this one uh it's it, it kind of a long write-up i had found online but it just kind of you know it, they didn't or so randy coming in with an injured leg at the hands of rick flair very successful early out wrestling sean and clotheslining him over the top sherry gets desperate and goes after elizabeth to distract savage long enough for sean to jump him from behind kind of gets into a little bit of a write-up uh different things here and so um but uh it, it kind of the close out the end elizabeth returns and yanks sherry off the ropes as sean hits a sunset flip off the top for two uh savage goes up but sean has closed the distance so he hops over him and comes off the other side with a crossbody for the win at 16 21 they didn't quite have the chemistry here i hoped for or i was hoping for but it's still a good match sean didn't quite have his single style down yet but he'd taken off like a rock or but he'd take off like a rocket the following year which true so uh this write-up gave it three and a four or yeah three and a quarter stars um which yes i interesting there was not a ton of write-ups on this one especially you know it, it from the time a lot of them are kind of go back and watch the vhs or things like that but interesting how this so um tom i'll throw it to you first what are your thoughts on this one what's your score where are you sitting at yeah um you know it's interesting in terms of sean not really finding his footing yet it's uh, one of the things that i think lack is you know his offense wasn't where it would where it would get to right i mean his selling was so great even back then um but he, the, what would really improve for him was his offense. And so that would, that would come later. Um, look, I mean, there's no massive build to this, right? Um, it's, it's just a, it's a match, but because of the players, because we never really got it on a big stage, I think it was important for us to cover it. I'm really glad we did. Um, crowd was into it. Two of the all-time greats. Only time we really got to see them work. Um, good in match kind of, you know, getting, getting Liz and Sherry involved. Um, what it lacked obviously was, you know, a massive build um, or, or any follow up to it. But as far as the match and kind of my payoff score goes, I'm going to give this one a seven. I just thought it was rock solid. I mean, it wasn't out of this world, but it was really good and worth going back and watching. What about you? Yeah, and I'm actually because uh, again, you and I, and I texted you a couple of days ago when we were talking about this. Like, I, I didn't watch any of it, and I was kind of good. Like, not finding any reviews kind of led me to, uh, you know, not really seeing or kind of knowing like kind of how the pacing of this one was going to go or anything like that. So that was one benefit of that kind of being like that. I'm actually going to give it a six and a half. I think that I was actually impressed with how fast these guys were working together. Um, that was one of my big takeaways from this match. Just kind of sitting here watching. It, there was very, very, if any, downtime or very little downtime. And so um, I thought that part of it, because it made it that much better and that they were like constant. And they worked a 15, 16-minute match at a pretty high rate. And so, you know, normally we wouldn't care about stuff like that. And I'd, I'd kind of overlook it. And it wouldn't be a big deal. But I think that um, – you know, putting it where it is, I think that I was just, I had, I had fun watching it because of how fast paced it was. Yep. And so, and you forget like, you know, Macho had been around for as long as he had at this point, literally just coming off of like a giant match at WrestleMania and then Michaels and then just kind of doing what they do. I think absolutely just good stuff. It was, it was fun. I was entertained, you know, as you like to say, you were sports, sports entertained. entertained. Yes, I was. So good. absolutely. This is a fun one. Yeah, I'm glad you found this one. I'm glad that I think it was WWE or whoever shared it on Twitter, um, you know, the ending. So we were able to kind of catch that. And I think that it made it worth it. And so um, just good stuff, fun all around. 
Awesome. Final thoughts. Take us home here. It was a fun one. Um, I, you know, we, we, we've been heavy on the, uh, <laughs> we've been heavy on the, the Sean and the, uh, macho stuff, uh, lately, but that's okay. Um, I'm looking forward to covering some WCW stuff. I know we have a fun summer plan. So yeah, man, I, I enjoyed it. It was a good one. It was fun to, to, to watch this and I uh, hope everyone enjoyed us going a little off the beaten path. We need to do more of this more often. It's, it's, it's fun watching this stuff. Uh, it, again, I don't know how often we're going to do it, but I like watching stuff for the first time like this. So let's try and do it. And then let's also hopefully for for our listeners as well, it's the first time they're seeing some of this stuff and getting exposed to it too. So that's all I have. And Jeff, I I don't know what it is. I'm I'm just feeling a little generous today. So I'm going to let you close us out. Wow. This is crazy. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. So um, yeah, good stuff. Like Tom said, I think this is one where, you know, Tom and I've been, uh, you know, we had noticed that we hadn't really done, I think our only uh, WCW match was Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger. And so um, excited. We've got a long list of about 30 plus matches that uh, could really take us into the the next year if we really wanted to, but we got some, uh, some really great ones, some top fives on, and they got some real stinkers too. So um, <laughs> it just kind of exciting stuff. So um, I, I, I don't know about you and it won't, we might, hopefully we'll get to i had forgotten that there was a human torch match and so uh might be one that we get to who knows so uh yeah we will see what happens but uh as always uh appreciate everybody kind of listening tuning in uh subscribing like tom said give us those five stars social media and of course thank you for joining us on the payoff <laughs>